Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Locked On Canadians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Canadian Thanksgiving today, so we would like to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. We would also like to say that we're really thankful for all of you. We've had a really, really, really great first 10 episodes. The response has been amazing. We thank you all for sharing, subscribing, listening, interacting. It's really been much better than we could have even dreamed. And so we are thankful to all of you. And I, myself, am very thankful to my co-host, Scott Matla. Scott, how are you doing? I am doing wonderfully uh, during not Thanksgiving in the United States. I still have to work this entire week and don't get to enjoy turkey for another month or so. But I am doing absolutely wonderfully. Had a very, very busy weekend with two of my best friends getting married. But ready for another whole week of uh, fun hockey here, especially after Saturday night. Yeah, you can't complain about Saturday night. I myself am Laura Saba. You can find me on Twitter at The Active Stick. You can find Scott at Scott Matla, and you can find the podcast at LO underscore Canadians. Please share anything you like with us on that Twitter account. You can share predictions, bold predictions, hot takes, anything you want. If you want to share questions for the mailbag, our last episode was full of of questions, so much so that we didn't even get to all of them. So we're going to cover another few during this week. And if you want to subscribe to our podcast, we are at anywhere you get your podcast. We would really, really like it if you did that. I would like to start the show once again with a segment trying to figure out what Kincaid is talking about on his Twitter account. Scott, would you like to do the honors? All right. So this is always fun. And the biggest thing about Keith Kincaid's victory tweet from Saturday is that he has a gif of someone singing Gloria which is a very solidly landed chirp. And I want to bring, before I get into the emojis that he used, a the first reply that comes from MoMan61 that said, there's Gloria, and then there's Gloria. And I think that is just an absolutely perfect tweet for a win over the St. Louis Blues on Saturday. I absolutely love it. And now going into it, um, we have from at Blockade1, in case you want to follow all the kin code like the rest of us do, Hashtag go Habs go. Didn't look nervous tonight picking up a big W. Dollar sign solid all night with 26 saves. So we both know, based off the of last episode, the dollar sign is Carey Price because he is money, let's be honest. And then from there, it gets a little bit complicated. And Laura and I sat here before the show scratching our heads trying to figure this out, but we think we've got this cracked. Ooh, cracked. Is it because the first emoji that comes up is a fried egg? I mean, y- yes, we're going to go with that. Yes, entirely intentional on my part. <laughs> and so we have fried egg, snowflake, science dish, cross, Ferris wheel, and steak, all adding an apple, apple being an assist. So we're going to get the easy ones out of the way. We already know the science dish is Jeff Petrie because Petrie dish, and we gushed about how much we loved that last time. And then the steak is Victor Mete, because his nickname on this team, for whatever reason, is Meat. And it's hilarious, given he is <laughs> not of the largest stature in the world. If I was thinking <laughs> anyone was going to be called Meat, it would be someone who looks like Shea Weber, for God's sakes. Absolutely. And then the Ferris wheel, it took a second, then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So Ferris wheel, wheel, Jordan wheel, the man without a contract. Uh The cross is belonging to Christian Foline. And then that left us with two things on here. 
the crack, the, the fried cracked egg and a snowflake. And we had to kind of delve into the comments here. And it turns out Ben Sherat is a fried egg. And Laura, before we even got too deep into looking in the responses, Laura actually, actually stumbled upon this answer, just kind of, you know, spitballing out loud. So Laura, I'll let you do the honors on why Ben Sherat is a fried egg. Right, because I was first looking at it. Well, I have to read, initially say that, like, I thought that that was a continuation of a sentence that Carrie Price made saves against. And I was like, why is St. Louis eggs? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want all the credit for it. But then I thought I was like, eggs, eggs, Benny, like Ben Sherrod. Nobody else sounds like anything related to eggs or fried <laughs> or a frying pan. So yeah, so we think that Ben Sherrod is eggs, Benny. And then that by process of elimination leaves Brett Kulak as a snowflake, and I don't know quite exactly why. Maybe it's because he's cool lack, I guess? I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to at Keith Kincaid and ask if we're correct here after the show. You should ask him to come on our podcast and explain. Yes. Can you break it down for us, Keith, please? And then finally, uh, so one at, uh, one goal, one assist for M, the Metro sign, Max Domi, who had a very big game. Uh, the tuna fish, who is none other than Thomas Tatar. And then the handwriting drawing is Druan. So. Right. And thank you to all the people that added us after we dropped that episode and said, it's not handwriting, it's drawing. And I was like, how were we supposed to know that? We're doing our best, okay? It's, it's always, it's, it's difficult to learn another language when you're 28 years old and you can't remember something sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then to finish up, we have Finnish flag and Fleur de Lis, each with a huge goal. That, of course, being Arturi Lekkonen is one of the Finnish wonder children and the Fleur de Lis being Philip Deneau. And then tiny blonde person with a three point night, one goal, two assists, and that's Brendan Gallagher. And I, think we have cracked this uh, version of the kin code for the victory against the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I think we did a good job there. Thank you so much for your most of your contribution. I feel like I just cracked the egg one and then gave up. Well, that was the one that I didn't know at all. Just looking at it, I'm like, <laughs> who the hell's an egg? What, Keith, what are you doing to me, man? Like, <laughs> I feel like by the end of the season, our brains are going to be fried eggs trying to figure all of this stuff out. Finally, now that we've done that, we have our listener of the week. So as promised, every week on Monday, the first episode of the week, we're going to crown a new listener of the week from the week before. And this week, it's going to be Ash on Ice because she's been listening and supporting every single episode so far. But not only that, she also participated by asking us a mailback question. But more importantly, she was the one who introduced me to the person who would become our very first guest on the show. So thank you so much to Ashley. She is such a great supporter of the show. And yeah, you guys can follow her uh, at Ash on Ice if you like. As we mentioned before, if you think you should be listener of the week, you can always tweet at us and then we're going to select who we want anyway, (laughs) like we did this week. (laughs) But I think, you know, Ashley is a very, very deserved listener of the week. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. And like Laura said, if you want to be a listener of the week, just add us all the time with everything. And we'll be, uh, you're more likely to be picked in that fashion. Wondering what to do on your next night out? 
Let the Vivid Seats app help you decide and get there. Whether you want to go watch your favorite artist live in concert, or maybe attend a sporting event, or even the theater, the Vivid Seats app will help you find seats in the row or section of your choosing. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. What that means is for every purchase you make for a live event, you earn credit towards your next live event. Every ticket purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right. Let's get to Saturday night's game. I was lucky enough to be able to observe it live. I was someone who caught bits and pieces of it between a wedding ceremony and reception and catching up on the highlights and everything, but clearly I missed quite the night, and it's something that I might end up going back to watch in full once we're done recording today. It was definitely an eventful game, and let me just get out of the way that we had the the local boy comes from the visiting team and scores a goal, and Sammy Blay. It was a cute story how he had like, I don't know, 700 people from his family make the trip and get tickets to watch him. But it's always, always so irritating when that happens because it's always a member of the opposing team. Yeah, and it's always, it's like the opposing kid from the province who starts in net and somehow looks like a toddler but then gets like a 57 save shutout kind of curse. And everyone's always assuming that. It's like, oh, the kid from Montreal always scores against the Habs. And maybe it's all in our head, but when he shoots a backhander from the corner like that and scores, it's kind of like, maybe Montreal is just a little bit cursed with that sort of thing going forward. Definitely felt like it at times, but it was a huge improvement upon the Detroit game, for sure, and as well as improvement on the Buffalo game. We were talking right after those two games. We mentioned both times how... The transition game seemed to be lost, and they were leaking defensively so badly. And while it wasn't perfect, it wasn't as tight as we normally would like, there was a huge improvement, not only in the transition game, also a bit on the defense, but most particularly, like, the offense really, really looked good this game. Yeah, and because I didn't get a chance to watch the thing in full, so I'm watching the highlights, and then I'm also looking up the heat maps and everything on Natural Stat Trick, and... A great resource if you're ever looking to confirm what you're looking at with your eyes. Uh, Natural Statrix always a very good resource for that. And I'm looking at how Montreal scored all their goals and how they defended. And Montreal ate up the front of the net against the Blues and got four goals. And then defended well and kept the slot pretty well clear of any St. Louis attack at even strength. And you know what? That's where they kind of struggled against Detroit and in the second half of the Buffalo game is... They eventually just kind of started giving up chances in that dangerous area. And against a team like the Blues, it seemed like they did pretty well trying to shut that down in this game. They were also far more disciplined in this game, I think. There were a few penalties, obviously. You can't get away from them. But they seemed they seemed to be doing a lot better on that front. I think the day-and-a-half break or whatever they got between the Detroit game and the Buffalo game allowed them to do a lot more video coaching. I know that Arpan Basu of The Athletic, actually specifically mentioned that, you know, the top line, Gallagher, Tatar, and Deneau 
had a little chat, watched video, and they, they worked on what they saw wasn't work that was deficient in, in the last two games. And so I think, you know, the result overall became a huge improvement. I can't say enough about how different this game was between the, the night against Detroit. It was like, it was honestly like night and day. Yeah, and I don't know if it's, I know you had mentioned in the Detroit game, maybe because they'd been on the road so much, they hadn't had the chance to as, as much heavy film study or something else, but this game was, like you said, night and day in that the way they played and everything was a lot more reminiscent of last year. Sure that the Blues kept coming back on them over the course of the game, but then Montreal's relentless, you know, waves of attack broke through and just broke down the Blues and Jordan Bennington. And I think this game and the one against Toronto is a lot closer to what we're going to see from Montreal. It's not always going to be pretty, and they still have some things to tweak and work on. Namely, the penalty kill is still struggling a little bit too much for my taste. And if they can shore that up a little bit, I think Montreal is going to be doing a lot better going forward, especially if that top line where Tatar, Deneau, and Gallagher were among the best possession players from Montreal, and Gallagher just loaded up on scoring chances again. And he had one of those games where he was just everywhere, and that's a great sign for Montreal. And always a bad sign for the opponent when Gallagher's in your face everywhere on the ice. I will say something that is so positive about this is that they were so good at identifying specifically what they were lacking and what they were missing and taking steps to correct it. And in this case, it's working out really well, but I think whenever you have a situation where the coaching staff and the players understand what they're doing wrong then you know they're trying better. And if this strategy hadn't worked, they were going to try a new one against Tampa. So I think for me, that's a really positive sign. It's not like I was ready to throw in the towel after the Detroit game, even though I did promise to be full of despair for my Detroit friends whenever they whenever they beat Montreal. It was it just it was something that made me really upset. It was it was very annoying to see to see the way the Detroit game played out specifically after the Buffalo game. And this is just, I think it's, it's a huge positive. Like I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to declare them Stanley Cup champions or anything like that. It's just like, it's something that you want to see. Like it's going to be a long season and we hope that there are going to be a lot of really good plays or really a, a lot of good strategies and good decisions throughout the year. Yeah. This was not a crowning game, but this is a game where you go, okay, it's early in the season and they took their lumps in a couple of back to back games. And then against the defending Stanley Cup champions came out and put together their best 60 minute effort of the year so far. And I think that's just extremely promising going forward uh, above anything else that they took their losses and they learned from them to see what they have to do and immediately put up a much better result. Right. And I think, you know, this is obviously they had the, they had the, the line change advantage because they were playing at home, but they will be playing in St. Louis six days from now on Saturday afternoon. So I think that's going to be another big test for them to see if they can still if they can still play that well. But we'll we'll set up the week a little bit later in the show. Let's get back to a few other positives that we saw in this game. Jonathan Drouin played amazing. Is he finally going to be the player that Montreal, the Canadians, the entire fan base has been hoping that he would be? I think so in that he seems like he's turned a corner, and I'm cautiously optimistic with this because obviously players do slump and everything, but the start Jonathan Drouin has had to this season is nothing short of almost a revelation. He looks like an entirely different player, 
and we had talked about him skating and using his feet more to actually, you know, make plays happen. And his goal against St. Louis was just that. He came off the bench and just took a perfect threaded pass from Ben Sherratt, of all people, and scored a really nice goal splitting the defense there. And I think beyond all of that, the fan base is so behind him this year that having that support fills him with confidence. He did his post-game interview that literally stopped in the middle of it because the fans at the Bell Center gave him a standing ovation. He's clearly touched by that, and I think a lot of that helps a player mentally grow and gain some confidence going through the season. And that's only good news for the Canadians is Joanne continues to prove that this is why he was a third overall pick. I mean, he has so much raw talent and it is very hard. Like I was, I was thinking about that. The, the ovation was so touching and you could see like he had tears in his eyes. You know, he was, he, he was very, very touched and taken aback by the love that he had. And it was, for me, it was so that I was watching it and I would say like two thirds of the arena had already cleared out. So it was just one third of the arena left and making noise as if it was a full house. The fans really are behind him. And if you think about it, if you are a goaltender in Montreal, or if you are a francophone player, local player, it can't be easy. Like the pressure here must be so tough, especially when you're so young. And when you have so much potential, like if you're a guy who isn't even all that talented, but you, you know, you show up and, and, and you do, the, you, you do your job. Basically, I'm trying to think of like, um, like a Frankie Bouillon, maybe guys like that, they get so much support. But when you have the talent and if you don't reach that talent, it's almost like the city turns on you. So for me, like to see that ovation and it's only, it's only early in the season. And I really, really hope that like what he takes from that is that what he's doing is working and he should just stay, stay the course. And absolutely. And I think with this too, it gives some confidence not only to him, but to his coaches to utilize him in more roles possibly. I'm not saying Drouin is going to become Patrice Bergeron and become a shutdown two-way player, but with the way that he's playing and he's being more dynamic late in games, you may see him thrown out there instead of someone else to try and get something because he is that trusted player now with the way that he's produced this year and the way that just he's on the ice, even if he's not getting points, He's noticeable in the right ways. And that was, wasn't the case the first two years when he had an off night or he was playing poorly. You didn't notice him all game. And now even if he's not scoring the goals or setting them up, I know when Jonathan Drouin is on the ice because he is moving and he's making plays and really slick passes. And I have a feeling he, he's had a very good start, but I think he's going to have one of those games coming up where he has like a four or five point night and he makes it look easy doing it, and I'm really excited for that moment to come this year because they all have earned every bit of it so far. I think so, and I'm, I'm thinking about this now. You know, people always say that it's really hard to play against Gallagher. Like, if you're an opposing team, like, they d- really don't like playing against him. He makes things difficult for them. And I think Druen is kind of the same way. Not I, When I say kind of the same way, I don't mean playing the same way, but just the fact that he's everywhere dangerous, that must make it really hard for opposing teams. And I think that, you know, the Canadians are all about the speed, they're all about the offense, and I just, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of how well he's responded to criticism, and just, the sky's the limit at this point. Yeah, and Druan is such a different, difficult to play against. Gallagher's just relentless, and not that he isn't without skill, but he'll just wear you down over 60 minutes and exhaust you. Druan will put your jockstrap in the rafters without blinking an eye, 
and then thread a perfect pass through three people. And he has the type of skill that when he's on, there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm not saying he has, like, Ovechkin shot-level skills or anything, but when he is on his game and thinking, he's one of the hardest Canadians to keep a hold of because his he has so much talent that when he's on, he's on. And that's all there is to it. There's nothing you can do to stop that short of taking a penalty against him. And even then, probably not the best idea to continue to give Montreal a power play. Or maybe it is, right, I don't know. because then they'll get a chance to... <laughs> I was going to say, right, it's probably not the best idea because then they'll just keep getting a chance to practice and eventually they'll get good at it. <laughs> but speaking of things, because you wanted to touch on performances from St. Louis, and I had one that I was calling for, especially after the game against Detroit where he was scratched, but uh Claude Julian went back to Brett Kulak and Jeff Petrie as a pairing against St. Louis. And it shouldn't be a shock that Jeff Petrie and Brett Kulak had their best games of the season and were the two best possession players at five-on-five for the Canadians. And anyone who watched them play last year isn't shocked by this, and I'm hoping this is all the proof that Claude Julian needs to keep them together right now. Yeah, and you said that, and you were very frustrated when he had split them up. And you were ranting about that. And it's not that I didn't believe you. It's that I knew that you would eventually get vindicated. (laughs) (laughs) Almost absolute vindication immediately. And it's because Petrie has been the only Canadians defender at the start of the year who looked like he was worth assault. And even then he had his struggles. But putting Kulak with him, something about that pairing just meshed so well. And by having a solid second pairing... It takes some of the stress off of Shea Weber and Victor Mete on the top pairing, and look at the results. Their top four defensemen were all great in this game, and while Sherratt and Foline weren't above water possession-wise, it's a small price to pay to figure out the third pairing instead of trying to figure out the first, second, and third pairings like they've been doing since the start of the year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all I'm going to say right now is that this was, it was such a good game. I mean, obviously. They will be playing Tampa next, which has me a little bit apprehensive. And we will we will be previewing the Tampa game tomorrow. So tune in for that episode. But, you know, after this one game against the Stanley Cup champions, how can you not, you not be more confident? Yeah, I if they played like they did against Detroit against St. Louis, I'd be worried about what happened to Toronto, where they gave up seven goals happening to the Canadians. But... Tampa's one of those games that Montreal always gets up for that challenge, and I think we're going to see a real interesting game and get a nice um, gauge on where Montreal's at after this. Sure, this game was good, but can they put back-to-back solid performances in against two very good teams in St. Louis and Tampa Bay this week? I think even if they lose to Tampa Bay, if they play really well, I don't think that we should be too worried because Tampa is like, it's a crazy offensive team, right? And we know that defense is something that the Canadians will have to continue to work on. But if they, if they, if they do have a good game against Tampa, even if the final score is, it's a loss, it's in, the, it's in the L column. I still, I think I won't be discouraged after that game. No, absolutely not. There's Tampa's one of those teams that if they smoke you, that's what they do. But if you give them a fight, you've definitely proven that you can keep up with them and. Montreal's done that in the past, and I don't see any reason why it'll be any different this year. It'll just be interesting to see how, if Claude Julien will go back to someone like Kale Fleury to keep up with the up-tempo style and the speed of the game, 
or if he'll stick with what he had in St. Louis and try and repeat that performance again. And we will have more on Tampa tomorrow. But for today, we will say thank you so much for listening once again. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, everywhere. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you will be able to find us. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. And please continue to interact with us both on our Twitter account, at LO underscore Canadians, and on Gmail, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. If you don't have a Twitter account or if you don't want to tweet at us for whatever reason, you can get in touch with us there. I'm going to say happy Thanksgiving once again to everybody in Canada. And thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.